Part one, chapter three of En Route by Jory Karl Heismans, translated by Charles Keegan Paul. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Before his conversion, he had said, like all unbelievers, If I believed that Jesus Christ is God, and that eternal life is not a decoy, I would not hesitate to change all my habits, to follow as far as possible the rules of religion, and in any case to live chaste and he was surprised that people he knew who were in these conditions did not maintain an attitude higher than his own he who had so long indulgently forgiven himself became singularly intolerant so soon as he had to do with the catholic he now understood the injustice of his judgments and confessed that between faith and practice was a gulf difficult to overpass he did not like to discuss this question with himself but it returned and took possession of him all the same and he was obliged to admit the meanness of his arguments the despicable reasons for his resistance he was still honest enough to say i am no longer a child if i have faith if i admit catholicism i cannot conceive it as lukewarm and unfixed warmed up again and again in the saucepan of a false zeal i will have no compromise or truce no alternations of debauch and communions no stages of licentiousness and piety no all or nothing to change from top to bottom or not change at all then he drew back in alarm endeavoured to escape the part he was about to take endeavoured to exculpate himself cavilling for hours invoking the most wretched motives for remaining as he was and not budging a jot what am i to do if i do not obey orders which i feel with increasing force i am preparing for myself a life of uneasiness and remorse for i know well i ought not to remain forever on the threshold but to penetrate into the sanctuary and stay there and if i make up my mind no indeed for then i must bind myself to a heap of observances bend to a series of rules assist at mass on sunday abstain on friday live like a bigot and look like a fool and then to help his revolt he thought of the air the look of people who frequented the churches for two men who looked intelligent and clean how many were without doubt rascals and impostors almost all had a sidelong look an oily voice downcast eyes immovable spectacles clothes like sacristans as if of black wood almost all told thin beads ostentatiously and with more strategy and more knavery than the wicked took toll from their neighbours on leaving god the devout women were still less reassuring they invaded the church walking about as if quite at home disturbing everybody upsetting chairs knocking against you without begging pardon then they knelt down without much ado in the attitude of contrite angels murmured interminable paternosters and left the church more arrogant and sour than before it is not encouraging to have to mix with this flock of pious geese he exclaimed but soon against his will he made answer to himself you have nothing to do with others were you more humble these people would certainly seem less offensive at any rate they have the courage you lack they are not ashamed of their faith and are not afraid to kneel to god in public and durtal remained dumbfounded for he had to admit that the riposte struck home it was clear his humility was at fault but what was worse he could not free himself from human respect he was afraid of being taken for a fool the prospect of being seen on his knees in church made his hair stand on end the idea that if he ever had to communicate he would have to rise and go to the altar in the sight of all was intolerable to him if that moment ever come it will be hard to bear said he 
and yet i am an idiot for what have i to do with the opinion of people i do not know but much as he might repeat that his alarms were absurd he could not get over them or free himself from the fear of ridicule after all he said even if i decide to jump the ditch to confess and communicate that terrible question of the senses would always have to be resolved i must determine to fly the lusts of the flesh and accept perpetual abstinence i could never attain to that without counting that in any case the time would be ill-chosen were i now to make such an effort for never have i been so tormented as since my conversion catholicism unfortunately excites unclean suggestions when i prowl about it without entering and to this exclamation another answered at once yes but you must enter he was irritated at this change of front without change of place and he tried to turn the conversation as though it had been held with another whose questions perplexed him but he came back to it all the same and in his annoyance summoned all his reasoning powers to his aid come let us try to take stock at any rate it is plain that as i have drawn near the church my unclean desires have become more frequent and more persistent and yet another fact is certain that i have been so used up by twenty years of debauchery that i ought not to have any further carnal appetites in fact if i chose it i could perfectly well remain chaste but then i must bid my miserable brain be silent and i have no power to do so it is frightful all the same that i am more excited than in youth for now my desires go a-travelling and since they have not their ordinary shelter they go off in search of evil haunts how may this be explained it is a sort of dyspepsia of the soul which cannot digest ordinary meats and tries to feed on spiced dreams highly seasoned thoughts it is then want of appetite for wholesome meals which has begotten this greediness for strange dishes this trouble of the mind this wish to escape from myself and jump were it but for a moment over the permitted limits of the senses in that case catholicism would play a part at once repellent and depressing it would stimulate these sick desires and weaken me at the same time would give me over to nervous emotions without strength to resist them wandering thus in self-examination he came to a dead stand where was no issue arriving at this conclusion i do not practice my religion because i yield to my baser instincts and i yield to these instincts because i do not practice my religion brought up thus by a dead wall he resisted asking if this last observation were indeed true for after all nothing proved that if he approached the sacraments he would not be attacked with even greater violence it was even probable he would be for the devil makes a dead set at pious people then he rebelled against the cowardice of these remarks and cried i lie for i know well that if i made the least sign of resistance i should be powerfully aided from on high clever at self-torture he continued to harass his soul always on the same line suppose he said for the sake of argument that i have tamed my pride and subdued my body suppose that at present there were nothing to do but to go forward i am still brought up for the final obstacle terrifies me up to now i have been able to walk alone without earthly assistance without advice i have been converted without the help of anyone but now i cannot make a step without a guide i cannot approach the altar without the aid of an interpreter and the bulwark of a priest and once more he drew back for in former times he had been intimate with a certain number of ecclesiastics and had found them so mediocre so lukewarm above all so hostile to mysticism 
that he was revolted at the very notion of laying before them the schedule of his requirements and his regrets they will not understand me he thought they will answer that mysticism was interesting in the middle ages but has now become disused and is in any case quite out of touch with the modern spirit they will think me mad will assure me moreover that god does not want so much will advise me with a smile not to make myself singular to do as others and to think like them i have indeed no intention of entering on the way of mysticism but they may at least allow me to envy it and not inflict on me their middle-class ideal of a god for not to deceive oneself catholicism is not only that moderate religion that they offer us it is not composed only of petty cases and formulas it is not wholly confined to rigid observances and the toys of old maids to all that goody-goody business which spreads itself abroad in the rue saint sulpice it is far more exalted far purer but then we must penetrate its burning zone and seek in mysticism the art the essence and the very soul of the church using the powerful means at her disposal we then have to empty ourselves and strip the soul so that christ if he will may enter it we have to purify the house to cleanse it with the disinfectant of prayer and the sublimate of sacraments in a word to be ready when the guest shall come and bid us to empty ourselves wholly into him as he will pour himself into us i know thoroughly well that this divine alchemy this transmutation of the human creature into god is generally impossible for the saviour as a rule keeps his singular favours for his elect but after all every one however unworthy is presumably able to attain that majestic end since god only decides and not man whose humble acquiescence alone is requisite i see myself saying that to the priests they will tell me i have no business with mystical ideas and will give me in exchange the petty religion of rich women they will wish to mix themselves up with my life to inquire about the state of my soul to insinuate their own tastes they will try to convince me that art is dangerous will sermonize me with imbecile talk and pour over me their flowing bowls of pious veal broth i know what i am at the end of a couple of interviews i shall rebel and become wicked durtal shook his head remained in thought and began again yet one must be just perhaps the secular clergy are only the leavings for the contemplative orders and the missionary army carry away every year the pick of the spiritual basket the mystics priests athirst for sorrows drunk with sacrifice bury themselves in cloisters or exile themselves among savages whom they teach so when the cream is off the rest of the clergy are plainly but skim milk the scourings of the seminaries yes but after all he continued the question is not whether they are intelligent or narrow it is not my business to take the priest to pieces to discover under the consecrated rind the nothingness of the man not my business to abuse his inadequacy since it is thoroughly suited to the understanding of the crowd would it not be after all more courageous and more humble to kneel before a being of whose brains you know the weakness and then then i am not reduced to that for indeed i know one in paris a true mystic suppose i go and see him and he thought of a certain abbe gevresin with whom he had formerly some acquaintance he had often met him at a bookseller's in the rue servandoni old tocan who had rare books on liturgy and the lives of the saints learning that durtal was looking for works on blessed lidouine the priest was at once interested in him and on leaving the shop they had a long conversation the abbe was very old and walked with difficulty therefore he willingly took durtal's arm who saw him home 
the life of that victim of the sins of her time is a magnificent subject he said you remember it do you not and as they walked he sketched its lines broadly Ledouin was born towards the end of the fourteenth century at schiedam in holland her beauty was extraordinary but she lost it through illness at the age of fifteen she recovered but while skating one day with her companions on the frozen canals she fell and broke a rib from the time of that accident to her death she was bedridden she was afflicted with most frightful ailments her wounds festered and worms bred in her putrefying flesh erysipelas that terrible malady of the middle ages consumed her her right arm was eaten away a single muscle held it to the body her brow was cleft in two one of her eyes became blind and the other so weak that it could not bear the light while she was in this condition the plague ravaged holland and decimated the town in which she lived she was the first attacked two boils formed one under her arm the other above the heart two boils it is well she said to the lord but three would be better in honour of the holy trinity and immediately a third pustule broke out on her face for thirty-five years she lived in a cellar taking no solid food praying and weeping so chilly in winter that each morning her tears formed two frozen streams down her cheeks she thought herself still too fortunate and entreated the lord not to spare her and obtain from him the grace that by her sufferings she might expiate the sins of others christ heard her prayers visited her with his angels communicated her with his own hand gave her the delight of heavenly ecstasies and caused her festering wounds to exhale delicious perfumes at the moment of her death he stood by her and restored her poor body to its former soundness her beauty so long vanished shone out again the town was moved the sick came in crowds and all who drew near were healed she is the true patroness of the sick concluded the abbe and after a silence he added from the point of view of the higher mysticism lidwine is wonderful for in her we can verify that plan of substitution which was and is the glorious reason for the existence of convents and as without answering durtal questioned him with a look he went on you are aware sir that in all ages nuns have offered themselves to heaven as expiatory victims the lives of saints both men and women who desired these sacrifices abound of those who atoned for the sins of others by sufferings eagerly demanded and patiently borne but there is a task still more arduous and more painful than was desired by these admirable souls it is not now that of purging the faults of others but of preventing them hindering their commission by taking the place of those who are too weak to bear the shock read saint teresa on this subject you will see that she gained permission to take on herself and without flinching the temptations of a priest who could not endure them this substitution of a strong soul freeing one who is not strong from perils and fears is one of the great rules of mysticism sometimes this exchange is purely spiritual sometimes on the contrary it has to do only with the ills of the body saint teresa was the surrogate of souls in torment sister catherine emmerich took the place of the sick relieved at least those who were most suffering thus for instance she was able to undergo the agony of a woman suffering from consumption and dropsy in order to permit her to prepare for death in peace well lidwine took on herself all bodily ills she lusted for physical suffering and was greedy for wounds she was as it were the reaper of punishments and she was also the piteous vessel in which every one discharged the overflowings of his malady 
if you would speak of her in other fashion than the poor hagiographies of our day study first that law of substitution that miracle of perfect charity that superhuman triumph of mysticism that will be the stem of your book and naturally without effort all lidwin's acts graft themselves on it but asked durtal does this law still take effect yes i know convents which apply it moreover orders like the carmelites and the poor clares willingly accept the transfer to them of temptations we suffer then these convents take on their backs so to speak the diabolical expiations of those insolvent souls whose debts they pay to the full all the same said durtal shaking his head if you consent to take on yourself the assaults intended for your neighbour you must make pretty sure not to sink the nuns chosen by our lord replied the abbe as victims of expiation as whole burnt offerings are in fact few and they are generally especially in this age obliged to unite and coalesce in order to bear without failing the weight of misdeeds which try them for in order that a soul may bear alone the assaults of satan which are often terrible it must be indeed assisted by the angels and elect of god and after a silence the old priest added i believe i may speak with some experience in these matters for i am one of the directors of those nuns who make reparation in their convents and yet cried durtal the world asks what is the good of the contemplative orders they are the lightning conductors of society said the abbe with great energy they draw on themselves the demoniacal fluid they absorb temptations to vice preserve by their prayers those who live like ourselves in sin they appease in fact the wrath of the most high that he may not place the earth under an interdict ah while the sisters who devote themselves to nursing the sick and infirm are indeed admirable their task is easy in comparison with that undertaken by the cloistered orders the orders where penance never ceases and the very nights spent in bed are broken by sobs this priest is far more interesting than his brethren said durtal to himself as they parted and as the abbe invited his visits he had often called on him he had always been cordially welcomed on several occasions he had warily sounded the old man on several questions he had answered evasively in regard to other priests but he did not seem to think much of them if durtal might judge by what he said one day in regard to lidwin that magnet of sorrows notice he said that a weak and honest soul has every advantage in choosing a confessor not from the clergy who have lost the sense of mysticism but from the monks they alone know the effects of the law of substitution and if they see that in spite of their efforts the penitent succumbs they end by freeing him by taking his trials on themselves or by sending them off to some convent in the country where resolute people can use them another time the question of nationalities was discussed in a newspaper which durtal showed him the abbe shrugged his shoulders putting aside the patriotic twaddle for me he said calmly for me my country is that where i can best pray durtal could not make out what this priest was he understood from the bookseller that the abbe gevresin on account of his great age and infirmity was incapacitated for the regular duties of the priesthood i know that when he can he still says his mass each morning in a convent i believe also he receives a few of his brethren for confession in his own house and tocan added with disdain he has barely enough to live on and they do not look on him with favour at the archbishops because of his mystical notions there ended all he knew about him he is evidently a very good priest repeated durtal his physiognomy declares it and his mouth and eyes contradict each other 
his eyes certainly declare his entire goodness his lips somewhat thick purple and always moist have on them an affectionate but somewhat sad smile and to this his blue eyes give the lie blue childlike eyes which laugh out astonished under white eyebrows in a rather red face touched on the cheeks like a ripe apricot with little points of blood in any case said durtal waking from his meditations i am very wrong not to continue the relations into which i have entered with him yes but then nothing is so difficult as to become really intimate with a priest first by the very education he receives at the seminary the ecclesiastic thinks himself obliged to disperse his affections and not concentrate himself on particular friendships then like a doctor he is a man harassed with business who is never to be found you can catch them now and then between two confessions or two sick calls nor even then are you quite certain that the eager welcome of the priest rings true for he is just the same to all who come to him and indeed since i do not call on the abbe gévresin for his help or advice i am afraid of being in his way and of taking up his time hence i am acting with discretion in not going to see him yet i am sorry suppose i write or go to him one morning but what have i to say to him i ought to know what i want before i allow myself to trouble him if i go only to complain he will answer i am wrong not to be a communicant and i have nothing to answer no the better plan is to meet him as by chance on the quays where no doubt he sometimes looks over the bookstalls or at tocans for then i can talk to him more intimately at least less officially about my vacillations and regrets so durtal searched the quays and never once met the abbe he went to the booksellers and pretended to look over his stock but as soon as he pronounced the name gevresin tocan exclaimed i have heard nothing of him and he has not been here for the last two months i will not turn back but just disturb him in his own house said durtal but he will wonder why i came back after so long an absence besides the awkwardness i feel in calling on people whom i have neglected i am also troubled by thinking the abbe may suspect some interested object in my visit that is not convenient if i had but a good pretext there is certainly that life of lidouine which interests him i might consult him on various points yes but which i have not concerned myself with that saint for a long time and must read over again the meagre old books on her biography after all it will be simpler and better to be frank and say this is why i have come i want to ask advice which i have not determined to follow but i have so much need of speaking of giving the reins to my soul that i beg you to be so kind as to lose an hour for my sake he will do it certainly and willingly then that is agreed on suppose i go to-morrow but he checked himself at once there was nothing pressing there was plenty of time better take time and think ah yes here is christmas close upon us i cannot decently trouble a priest who has his penitence to confess for there are many communicants on that day let him get his hard work over and then we will see he was at first pleased at having invented that excuse then he had to admit in his heart that after all there was not much in it for there was nothing to show that this priest who was not attached to a parish was busy in hearing confessions it was hardly probable but he tried to convince himself that it might be so after all and his hesitation began again angry at last with the discussion he adopted a middle course for greater certainty he would not call on the abbe till after christmas but he would not be later than a given time he took an almanac and swore to keep his promise three days after that feast end of part one chapter three